Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the QB Draw. I am your host, John, uh, and we've got today a very special guest. Uh, you in the Twitter sphere will know him as a tone setter, Mr. Zach, Mr. At Jedrick Wills on Twitter. Uh, we're very excited to have him on today to talk about uh, all things running the ball. Um, Zach, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, I mean, you did a pretty decent job. I mean, I'm Zach. Most of you probably know me as at Jedrick Wheels on Twitter. And um, we're here to talk mostly about, well, I'm here mostly to talk about uh, Justin Fry, Ohio State's new offensive line coach and run game coordinator. Uh, I watched the All-22 tape of, of UCLA versus LSU, and I got to say it was fun to watch. After watching Ohio State's season uh, last year, 2021, and then watching that game, it was like watching a whole different style and brand of football yeah it's like an entirely different different sport in a lot of ways and of course we've got our uh my co-host ezra along as well uh yep what's up still here still kicking no it's been a minute but uh i'm excited for this episode uh yeah uh you know zach is a that's a really smart scheme guy so especially when it comes to the run game so i'm excited to get get into this with him i know you watched uh you've been watching some film, so uh do you just want to get into it man yeah i mean i'd say i'm I'm pretty average (laughs) so um the thing that like kind of really like got me excited i'd say is like the very first play now i was expecting something like pretty standard like inside zone split zone or like some play action but this motherfucker comes out and he's running um imbalanced tackle over down G out of the spread with, with jet motion at the snap. Like, who does that? And so the thing about that is why that's just interesting and cool is because you guys know what knocking the front means? Okay, so what knocking the front means is it's basically a new offensive center is what it stands for. So what that means is, you know how, like, normally if you have a tight end, it's like it's like tackle, guard, center, guard, tackle, tight end. Right, but when you go imbalanced line tackle over, you then have it. You have tight end guard center guard tackle tackle. Yeah. Gotcha. So what you have to do as a defense is the center is no longer the center, the guard mm-hmm. is the new center. So then you have to shift a completely a gap over which to knock the front, which that in itself isn't really um, hard to do. It's actually quite pretty easy if, if you're playing a team who goes tackle over imbalanced a lot. Now, I don't know this offhand because I'm not a UCLA fan. I don't watch a ton of UCLA tape. But a team like that doesn't seem like they've been running a ton of tackle over um, imbalanced line formations. But throughout the game, I noticed that it was like eight or nine times they went imbalanced tackle over. And it worked a lot because I don't think LSU is ready for that. So well, to me, that just I- says that Justin Fry is a good coach who knows how to throw changeups at defenses. That really seemed to be the takeaway of the whole game, right? Like you've got the video of uh, of Coach O walking into the stadium and like telling um, telling like UCLA fans they look like a bunch of pansies, like wearing like light blue and stuff like that. Of course, like it's funny their their school wears purple, so like um, to be calling any you know school colors like like pretty uh, pretty weak or whatever was was pretty funny. But yeah, it was uh, certainly going into that game. Like I, I didn't. I was expecting an ass kicking from the LSU perspective, just because, you know, like you said, like I don't watch a whole ton of LSU uh, of UCLA, but like looking back on like my memories of UCLA football, it's never been like a ground and pound organization for sure. So like 
to have them come out like they did and just like straight up bully an LSU team that was what, like two years removed from a national championship. They had a lot of really highly ranked recruits on, on, um, in the trenches and, and in that defense. And they just got their pants taken off, like from the, the opening snap. And like you said, like, um, you know, it, it, it just speaks to like, you know, the brain power of Justin Fry in some ways. And, and we've, as and I have kind of talked about it on episodes before, but like bringing him in and bringing in a guy like Eliana, like you're bringing in, you know, f- first and foremost as well, Jim Knowles, like you're bringing in guys that like actually understand football beyond like the traditional the recruiting. And like, yeah, that's like a huge improvement just overnight. Yeah. I, I think that like this coaching staff that uh, Ryan Day and company brought in, they're actually like coaches. They're not recruiters, then coaches. Which I feel like Ohio State has done like too much of in the past. Like I like Kerry Coombs, but he's he's a recruiter first, coach second. Which as a DC is not ideal, but as a cornerback coach, he's he's pretty good. I, I was pretty sad to see him go because he did have an offer from Ohio State to stay, but he ultimately chose to leave. And I think he took the UC cornerback coach job. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, yeah, which again, like you know, it, it's probably one of those situations where you've got too much pride to take a demotion and stay. And in I don't blame him for that because that, that would be tough to do, like, as a, as a person. Um, yeah. I think, too, like, looking at it, like you said, like, you know, Kerry is a, as a cornerback to coach, like, sure, maybe, like, the recruiting does fall off, like, a little bit and, like, y- your your likelihood of, of getting the A.J. Harris's of the world in particular, like, kind of dwindle, but, like, I think at the end of the day, the brand that is Ohio State will sell itself to the majority of recruits and the, and the quality of folks that you're putting into the NFL. Like, all you got to do is turn on any NFL Sunday, and there's an Ohio State Buckeye who's likely involved um, in a positive or in a negative way in the case of Eli Apple. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it's always good to, to kind of, you know, I, I think I think moving forward it, it is a good idea to, to kind of, build that staff on, on developing talent, especially if like we're entering sort of like a nuclear cold war with like California and Texas closing their borders and, and, and not letting, um, you know, not letting schools like Ohio state come in and just steal their, their best talent. I mean, I, I'd agree. I don't think that like Texas and California would be like, I shut down as people think because Ohio, Ohio State's Ohio State. You have that Ohio State yeah. logo on your chest with a coach. You walk into that living room. You walk into that high school. You're going to get attention. You're going to get noticed. And people are going to pay attention because it's, it's Ohio fucking State. They're a top three, top two program in the country. Now, I, although I will agree that it's not going to be like easy pickings as it was before. Um, well, seemingly well, Texas, I'm, I'm iffy on. I'm not a fan of uh, fuck who's our coach, Sarkeesian. Mark, I think yep. he's a good, I think he's a great OC. I'm not sure about him as a head coach yet, but jury's still out for him. Texas A&M with Jimbo with NIL, they're going to be a menace recruiting wise. And obviously, um, USC they got Lincoln Riley, who's like a top five coach in the game. So I, I don't think Texas, especially, is going to be like that super fertile recruiting ground that it has been. Because Jesus, how many players have we got from Texas? We got you know well, JK. That's the thing too, is well, there's so Texas much a big state, you know. Like, oh, go ahead, John. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, like you said, like, I, I do worry about like Jimbo uh, at A&M, like with, a, with, with, you know, there's more money than God in, in college station. And like, they are, uh, 
you know, the, the one area with Jimbo is always like when he loses um, focus, it goes really wrong. Like all you got to do is like watch any Florida state from the past like half decade. Like it, it's very clear that they're still feeling the after effects of like, Oh, Jimbo just lost interest and like was clearly ready to go. Um, but yeah, at this point, obviously those sites aren't showing themselves. Um, now you do wonder if, you know, when, when all of the folks that he's brought in, like if they don't have success super early or they're not seeing the playing time they were expecting, like how many would be interested in hitting the portal. Um, but you know, that's obviously yeah, that's, down the road. I mean, the portal is just a whole different, I don't know, like a ball game menace now because anyone and everyone can enter the portal nowadays, which I don't. I don't know how to how I feel about it. I I think it's better than like having like how it used to be to where like if you wanted to leave you had to like sit a year, which I didn't like, especially because the fact that like coaches could just dip off and go anywhere else they wanted to whenever, because like that never sat right with me. So I feel like it's probably a good thing, but it's still just like wild how many people are in the portal. Like even like, yeah, the, like the big and, names and how many guys who haven't who are in the portal and like have not found a new team. Um, I forget the percentage, but it, it was quite high. Yeah, there yeah, was like, like you, you over either end up people in the portal. It was yeah it's insane. And the number of folks that end up like either playing JUCO for a few years or like you know dropping down a level or something. Like I think like obviously the portal works out for like the. Jermaine Burton's of the world who can just like beat a team in a national championship and then just decide to join that team the next year. Um, which I thought was, was so wild to me. Like I, I didn't, I don't, I don't understand that move really from, from like a, an old school, like competitive standpoint, like obviously from a football standpoint, like, you know, going from having Stetson Bennett throw you the ball to, to Bryce, you know, Bryce Young. Yeah. Young um probably a, a huge step up in that regard but uh but yeah i mean it really really kind of interesting the the the, the transfer portal and how it's going to work out you know i was shocked to see eli ricks end up at alabama as well like especially because it seemed like the the jury was out on him and like people were really worried about like uh, some some quote-unquote character concerns from a from an ohio state perspective and yeah i mean that might end up Biting Ohio State in the butt, but they also got Cam Brown back for an extra year, and um, perhaps some folks coming along as well. So um, that's one. That's one where I'm going to wait and see because uh, I think it's too soon to make a judgment. You know, I think there's a scenario where you know Ricks goes out and like is an All American for uh, Alabama, and then uh, you know if Ohio State basically turned him away, that's an absolute disaster, especially considering their secondary last year. But you know, I also think there's a scenario where Ricks plays like three games for Alabama and once he's nicked up a little bit, it's uh it's prep for the NFL draft time, in which case yeah. you know, Ohio State made the right move. So I am I'm, I'm reserving judgment on that one. It could go the LSU stink to him, man. Like they all got that. Like uh, you know, if, if Joe Burrow picked up a paper cut uh, about halfway through that national championship season, like does he sit out? Like it's pretty funny. Like he was like the only one of the only guys to like really kind of stick it out there. Um but I'm also curious to see if that changes for LSU because uh, if you guys know anything about Brian Kelly, he is a, a polarizing figure. Um, oh, and that's putting I don't nicely. like the guy. I don't that, like the guy. Calling him polarizing is putting it nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, and that's the thing too is like, 
if he enters the locker room that Coach O just left, like, and Coach O, by all accounts, like, sort of, like, the ultimate player coach, like, um, really super easy on his guys and let, lets some things slide, like, um, uh, that it also is putting it lightly. Yeah, something <laughs> slide is uh, the operative operative word there. Um, that's, the, that's the PC way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, I mean, uh, yeah, LSU is definitely going to be a team to watch. Um, I don't know. Like, it would be really, really, really funny if like the only coach that they've ever hired in like the history of their school to not win a national championship is literally Brian Kelly. I think there, there'd be some like, I'd love that. I love that. That'd be gold. Um, Zach, to get back to sort of the, we kind of went off the rails. I don't think that's bad though. Um, What do you think? It was a good discussion. Yeah, it was a good discussion. Um, What do you think about like the Ohio state run game of the last few years with Kevin Wilson, you know, from, uh, from a guy who's not as well-versed in scheme, uh, it, it seems they've been running some pretty basic uh, zone stuff ever since uh, Ryan Day started. Uh, and by zone, I mean like not uh, zone read much anymore. They've more shifted to like RPO, but uh, yeah, zone like mid zone stretch. Yeah, team. yeah. Um, and in 2019, it worked because they had a uh, they had a incredible interior offensive line with uh, Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers. Those yeah, two were quite as good in 2020. Top. Yeah, they, I think all three. They had, they had Jonah Jackson, um, right, Wyatt Davis, and then Josh Myers, who all were day two picks, I believe. I know Josh Myers went in the second. I believe Jonah Jackson went in the third, and Wyatt went in the third. But yeah, like even they basically have only ran even when like with Fields, they pretty much only ran some variation of inside zone, duo, mid zone, stretch and bash, which is a. Uh, Bash is like inverted veer. It's like back. It's it's back away. Where like you you when you it's like a zone read, but it's inverted to where the quarterback is reading the defensive end, and if the defensive end stays home, the quarterback keeps up the middle or like to the left side. But it's still like generally it's up the middle run. It's it's similar to an inverted veer. And then the back, if the defensive end crashes down, the, then he gives to the back, and the back's running on like a sweep. Outside of that, there really hasn't been a whole lot of variety. And they, they tried it a little bit last year, but it really didn't work. And that was because you have four tackles playing. You, your tackles are at guard, and they can't really pull. Yeah. So that, that's one thing I'm looking forward to, is to see what does Justin Fry do with the offensive line. Because as of right now, I know like I think it's probably going to be Paris Johnson at left tackle, Matt Jones at left guard, a Whippler at center. Right guard's a bit of a question mark not because i don't think there's anyone who can't play just because there's probably like three or four guys that come to mind who could play then right tackle is probably going to be dewand which to me you know assuming that like an actual guard like you know like a donovan jackson takes over at right guard that that should be a pretty good offensive line so yeah like, i'm looking forward to seeing like if that line comes to fruition which i believe by all accounts it should like if you can run the same shit he did at ucla here because that's the I one think thing about Ryan. To, uh, oh yeah, no, I was gonna say I think he needs to collaborate uh, a little bit with Stud to get that to happen. If Stud is still here, um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. With Stud, like it's his, his back is just killing. I, I doubt he um, does. Maybe he's like an analyst role or something, but I doubt he really is like super involved because his back wasn't like Thad model level bad, but it was it was getting there. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing, too, is like, I mean, there's just a lot of theories at play at Ohio State that, that don't really match up, right? Like, especially from like a running game perspective, when you are building like a massive line of, you know, the four tackle line from last year, like not having a single person like that played guard before, like, first of all, just from a, a scheme standpoint, like it, it, this isn't Madden where you can just plug and play like tackles and, and just make them play guard and, and hope it all works out. Like you've got guys that, that are playing guard that have been playing tackle their whole life and expected to play tackle. But like the theories that I'm talking about are the theory of like the strength and conditioning coach, like basically trying to get everybody to bulk up and be as large as they can be. Um, you know, from a run game perspective, naturally you're going to have to build holes at some point, And you're also going to have, have to have O linemen that are like agile enough to like move around and, and pull and like, you know, make athletic blocks. And like, from the perspective of like Trevion is not a small guy, you know, we don't have a small running back really on the team. You need to have like, you know, some, some variance there. And I think getting more to a standard, you know, a standard line buildup is, is so huge for Ohio state. I think Trevion is about 5'10", 220, which is definitely not a small back, despite – because what fuck, what, are you, what was his 100-meter in high school? I think he ran like a 10'5", 10'4", which, which is just yeah, ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's, it's freakish. Like his, his whole – like the whole package that he has is just freakish. And like, again, like as and I have said before, keep him as far away from Mickey Marathi as possible because <laughs> – uh, He's going to genetically morph into Master Teague if uh, <laughs> Don't he's say not. It. Oh, uh, if he's not Henderson at two sixty. Just yeah. like. <laughs> he comes back. He comes Stop. back three oh, Mister three oh five. Trevion. <laughs> uh, man, yeah, I, I will. I, I will yeah. say though, my one critique of Trevion is that I don't think his vision at this point or at, at last last year's. I don't think his vision was particularly great. I believe mm-hmm. he was a really boomer bust running back. I felt like yeah. too often he was trying to create something out of nothing. And instead of just taking like the simple like two, three yard dive in front of him, he would try and bounce it. Or sometimes like he'd have like a bounce and then he would just be so pigeonholed, like especially in short yardage, that he would just try and dive when there's something wasn't there, when there was a cutback lane. Which I, I mean, feel, I feel like that's become of, an experience. Uh, yeah. Because he didn't have a senior year in high school because of, of COVID. I, I don't know if he opted out or Virginia just didn't have high school football his senior year, but. You know, and like as a junior, when he really broke out nationally as a running back recruit, that was his first year being like a full true running back. And then he didn't have a senior year. Then like he enrolls at Ohio State. So like he's been playing running back really for like two years now. So like it makes sense that like his vision isn't there. That's just like repetition, trusting your eyes, trusting what you see. It's just instincts for vision at running back, which is to be is to be fair. It's not be super expected of him to just be natural like. Okay, like, because, like, when you're reading, when you're running back, all you're doing is just reading leverage on block, especially on zone. Like, if you're running, like, an outside zone or stretch, you're reading, like, your the end man of line of scrimmage, whether it's a DN or a linebacker. And literally, your um, cut is basically determined where he goes, whether you just bend it or bang it. That It's based on all what the defensive end does. Yeah, I mean, I, I do do wonder how much of that is, like you said, like just not having the repetition and like you hope in the offseason they can pair him up. Like, I don't know if they're allowed to or what they can do, but like get him with a guy like Zeke, like because that's always the thing that I have been like always blown away of with with Zeke is like obviously he, he has 
you know, his, his, he's sort of boomer bust in a lot of ways as well. But like, I've always been blown away by his ability to like on broken plays, just find his way back to the line of scrimmage and like prevent massive losses. Like, and obviously Trevion like is not a massive loss back. Like that's just, it's not the way Ohio state's built, but like, I would like to see, like you said, like him, him getting that vision uh, to the point where, um, like he, he's making the correct reads. And even if you're only getting three or four yards, like you're getting the right three to four yards and you're not like just getting caught at the line just because you're trying to make, you know, a 20 yard gain out of, out of, uh, you know, a four yard play. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's the exact same issue, but it's a, reminds me a little bit of 2018 JK Dobbins where he was splitting reps with Mike Weber and every time, and he said this, like every time he was on the field, he felt like he had to like, hit the home run or he, you know, he'd be benched. And that led to, you know, he wasn't that good. Uh, you know, honestly, that season, Mike Weber, I think was the better back. Um, obviously. Yeah. Uh, J- J- JK so. like didn't have the same explosives he had as a freshman or as a junior in 2019. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember, I like, I remember like watching, it didn't feel like he was the same. And like after the season, I, I, I don't know if it was like an injury or like he like gained a little bit of weight, but like he said that like he didn't have the same explosiveness he did. <laughs> An Ohio State yeah. player gaining weight—that's uh, that's so crazy. It's, it's weird Speaking how that of happened. Weight. Not to get off um, topic. That that one Jack Sawyer picture. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude. Oh, know what I'm talking Sickening. about. Sickening. Yeah. Sickening. And this is not a body shaming podcast at all. It's just but... a, like a "What is Stud doing?" podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what, what are we doing here? Like, like, there's no way a five-star defensive end at Ohio State should be skinny fat, especially one who had a who's had a nutritionist from Ohio State before he even got before he even got to his senior year of high school. Yep. Yeah, man. I just uh, I don't want him to look like Zion. I just I don't. Yeah. You know, like Sawyer should be a guy who is just like he was ripped in high school. I don't know how he's less yeah. athletic looking after a yeah, year it, and a half like in Ohio State's strength and conditioning built, program. You know? Yeah, but yeah, yeah TJ Watt's not even like TJ Watt's obviously like a top two, top three edge rusher in the NFL, arguably the best. But like, he's not built like fucking Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett looks like a bodybuilder. Yes, because that's yeah. what his frame allows. Like, you don't need not every guy needs to be that big. Yes. Um, speaking of big guys, what do you guys think of Dewan Jones? Because he recently announced he's coming back. I think it's a good thing because. Ohio State really doesn't have a right tackle replacement. I also still believe in DeWand. Um, I think he can sort of be that prototypical sort of right tackle road grader, uh, maybe a little bit less athletic than your uh, prototype left tackle, but he can really play, uh, you know, this isn't a comp because we, Jack Conklin's a great player in the NFL. And I don't know if DeWand will ever be that, but sort of that Jack Conklin role. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, DeWan Jones coming back? I think it was the right move for him and a, the right move for Ohio State too, because I don't think DeWan would have gotten picks very high. To be frank, I think like he's just too big to play tackle at the NFL level. Like he, again, we're not a body shaming podcast, but he he needs to lose weight. He's just he doesn't have fast enough feet. Like David Ojabo, like the Michigan edge rusher, just ate his lunch because yep. DeWan just wasn't fast enough. He wasn't quick enough. He didn't have the explosiveness to get out of his set against a speed rusher like Ojabo, who is has an NFL like B plus tier as a rookie get off and burst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think he's just, yeah, like you said, uh, get, we, we need to get back to the quickness training. I think at Ohio state and like uh, speed and agility, like get on the spark program or whatever the hell they used to call that. Um, 
but yeah, we got to give credit to uh, to Sean Blevins who uh, who broke the story to me. Uh, Dewan Jones, he he has internal sources uh, at the Ohio State University that uh, that confirmed that for him. Uh, we really appreciate Sean for for giving us the, the scoop. Um, and if like, you see that story it. anywhere, credit him. What story uh, did he confirm? Oh yeah, no. He just he texted me like before, like weeks before Dewan, um, Dewan like announced, and he was like, "Oh, Dewan's coming back." And I was like, "Dude, you're out of your minds! Like that's that's like why would he come back? Like it seemed like he was angling to either go to the draft or maybe even potentially transfer. Um, I I just didn't anticipate seeing him back at Ohio State. Then all of a sudden, he just showed up, and he was he confirmed it himself. He he tweeted out the story, you know. Um, I'm sure the folks at BSB were working on that and he just, he just tweeted it out, you know, and, and, uh, ruined a lot of scoops, but, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's awful. um, yeah, thoughts and prayers to our, our, our journalist listeners, you know, we, we hate to hear something like that, you know, yeah, out scooped by the source himself. That's, uh, it's sad, sad. Um, so I have my, uh, notes pulled up from the game. And so one thing that stuck out to me was, Granted, I, I, I'm also, like, not, like, the best in terms of offensive, like, scheming. But according to what I charted, I think I charted 11 different run plays in terms of, like, you know, inside zone, split zone. Granted, some people consider them the same, but it's, it's a different look, in my opinion. That you, had, you had duo, you had down G, down guard. It's basically a short trap. It's, like, the best way I can describe it without, like, actually pulling up the play. Then you had a long trap. You had power. You had a mid zone you had bash you had um did i did i say stretch already no yeah you had stretch you had counter and then you had one play where i don't even know how to describe it they had four fucking people pull i think i posted a clip of it on my twitter account they had so they had um it was in a gun with the running back to the left they had a bunch to the left and then they had one guy come in motion like the um man closer to the quarterback in the bunch. He came in motion at the snap, pulled. The other two wide receivers slash tight ends in the bunch pulled. And then the backside guard pulled. They had four fucking people pulled on a singular. I don't even know how to chart that. Like, I, yeah. I've never I've never seen a play. Granted, I haven't watched that much film in my life, but I have never seen a play where four fucking people pull on one play. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Ohio State had four people pull all of last year combined. So um, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that. So we're we're hoping, like, you know, that's that's the thing that like you, you named eleven plays that that Ohio uh, that that UCLA ran in one game. I think Ohio State ran about like maybe half of that. Yeah, they had like four offensive plays for the running game. Um, I, I know that they they definitely ran inside zone, split zone, duo, mid zone, and stretch. And they probably sprinkled some of those others in, but like they were basically a pure zone running team, which isn't even a bad thing. It's just like you should just have more variety in your run game. Well, especially and, and too, be- like if you think about as you get down toward the goal line, too, just having more variety in what you're doing, like and being able to catch teams off guard and sneak a a, a quick running touchdown, so that way you don't have to have third and uh, third and short, you know, to to, to convert, but like. Yeah, I mean, just just having creativity back in the offensive, um, you know, in, in the offensive running game, I think is going to be so huge. Like, there's, uh, it was really disheartening at times to just see like a, a team with you know with a back like as talented as Trevion 
just mailing it in from like a scheme standpoint and like, um, you know, just essentially letting him go out there to get hammered away on. Um, and, and two, like back to, I want, I want to say it was like an earlier point that you mentioned about Trevion, like, you know, and JK Dobbins particularly being like, Oh, when I got out there, I had to be boomer boss. Like thinking back on like his first couple of games, it literally was like, um, you know, his first catch for Ohio state just goes, you know, goes, you know, it's like 70 yards. yards. I think. Yeah. I yeah, think it's seven Minnesota, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's so important, too, to just, like, change the way you do things. And, like, if you can just put a team the, – the concept here for me in, in, in the game of football is all about balance, right? If you can just put that defense just slightly off balance, because that was the thing in the Michigan game, they just got teed off on, right? Like, it was – Oh, yeah. Like, um, I forget – I, I don't know if it was either Ross or Fulton, great follow, or Space Cowboy, also another great follow. I don't know. Yep. If, I believe it was one of them, but they basically said that Ohio State had almost a 100% run tell in that game of when they were under center or in pistol. It was like something like 90 plus percent run, and then in shotgun it was like 80 plus percent pass. And yep. that wasn't just a trend in the Michigan game; that was a trend all season long. I bu- I don't know again. I don't know. Yeah, there was one pistol actually... formation that that in particular where it was like it was fourteen plays and it was fourteen runs, which is like Jesus Christ. It's uh, that, it's like inexcusable. Because like Ryan Day is a fucking smart coach. He's yeah probably arguably the best offensive mind, if not like he's like top two, top three in college football. Like I just don't know how nobody in the staff noticed that. Like if. You know, no offense to Ross R. Fulton and Space Cowboy, but if two fucking people who, like, aren't even coaches can right. see that, like, how the fuck can they not? Yeah, also, they're, like, all the analysts up in the game. Rose Bowl. And like, the like, Rose Bowl is – it was still, like – it was, like, a 70-plus They finally run. passed – yeah, no, it was still bad, but they fi- it finally wasn't, like, 100% of the time. And it, like – yeah. It, because, like, that's the thing that – because, like, again, the UCLA the UCLA-LSU game I, I charted – um. They ran from like every formation you could think of, like gun, pistol, under center. They even ran some like full house shit in the backfield, which was like interesting to see because like that stuff Ohio State just does not do. Mm-hmm. So like, well, I, so- I, I just want some variety in the run game. I don't want just zone every single play. Now, there's nothing yeah. wrong with running zone; it's a fine running play, but especially the way teams play, like modern defense, like, um. The way teams play like the running game nowadays, it's they they want you running zone when they're out when they're running two high shells because it's just easier just to manipulate the double teams in zone and make it harder to block. Like that's the whole point of running mint or tight against spread teams is because it's easier to defend zone running plays out of that. But if you start running, you know, your gap and power schemes, that's when you can really do damage running the ball. Like if you guys have watched the Chiefs lately. Yes. Yeah. The, the Chiefs are running the piss out of the football now because they've switched. That well, they changed up their whole offensive line. They got um, Orlando Brown, um, Thune, um, Humphrey, Trey Smith. You know, there's some fucking Maulers up front, and then Reed had like the wherewithal to watch like what college teams are doing to stop like these two high shells and let these a lot of base down mint fronts, which are tr- which started trickling their way to the NFL last year, and they've been even more so this year. Um, the way you run against those easier is just to run gap and power schemes, which is what the Chiefs are doing. They pull guards, pull tackles a lot. And it makes yeah. it because the way because like the way teams play zone, they want to spill it 
to where then their faster, more agile DBs can, you know, make plays in space. Whereas when you do it against power and counter, it's a lot harder to try and spill those runs because your run fits are changing because you're, the line's pulling. And it makes it just that much harder to try and make your run fit correct to where you want to spill it if that's what teams are doing, which most teams do nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Chiefs are obviously like, that's a mold that Ohio State can and should look to like try and, you know, emulate well, in a lot of ways. Well, even like Lincoln Riley at uh, Oklahoma, like their whole bread and butter was fucking counter Trey. Like, I don't know how many times, like, especially in 2017, like, if you take a shot every time they ran counter Trey, you'd probably be dead by halftime. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, like that. But that's the thing that you think about too. It's just like if you can just, like I said before, if, if you could just get them just a little bit off balance, get the defense just a little bit off balance with the, like you're forgetting, like this whole episode, we haven't men- pass- mentioned passing the ball like one time. Well, I, I have, like, I have no concern about passing the football under Ryan Day. Oh yeah. yeah, but like thinking about like how much more of a weapon that could be, like if you have like a, a running game that is just a little bit off, like. You know, uh, you if you're if you're running counters and stuff, and, and all of a sudden you've got like linebackers whose eyes have to be in multiple positions, and then you've also got like you know you got the dynamic athletes like you know Jackson Smith and Jigba like running you know doing some screens and doing some like you know cross the field kind of stuff, like your your the possibilities are endless. Like if you can just get the run game to be like even average, you know, and, and Justin Fry. Well, statistically, again, like, Ohio State had a, had a really good running game last year, but it, it just, like, if you actually, like, watch the games, it just never felt like they had a great running game. Yeah. Because I think that, I think, like, I don't remember this, I remember, like, like, in terms of, like, yard for carry, they were, like, top five, top ten rushing yard for carry, I think they were, like, top 15. But it just, like, I just felt like, no, I don't have, like, the numbers in front of me, but, like, just from watching the games, I feel like those numbers were stat-padded against bad teams. Yeah, well, it felt like the whole year, essentially, from a stats perspective, was, like, based around, like, Rutgers, Indiana, uh, you know, Tulsa. Uh, we won't talk about Akron. Um, yeah. I feel know. like the only, like, good team Ohio State legitimately, like, beat up was Michigan State. But even then, right. like, Kenneth Walker was playing on half an ankle. That game is over before the game even started. Well, that's like, without thing, Ken- like without Kenneth Walker, the Michigan like, State team is probably like eight and four. Yes, yeah, that's what I, was a, I expect regression from them next year. Even though I like Mel Tucker, yeah, I like Mel Tucker a lot. It's just the recruiting isn't like that good yet because those those last couple of Mark D'Antonio classes were just like Mac level bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I mean, I, I think I think they'll probably regress to like eight and four this year, which is still like a pretty solid record given how like tough the Big Ten East is. Mm-hmm. But I feel like year three or year four, well, year one doesn't count in my book. That was a COVID year. Like yeah. his his year four, like officially, I feel like that's when I feel like Michigan State will be like a consistently good team. Because like last year, just now I could be talking about it last year, but I feel like last year's a bit fluky just because. You're not going to get Kenneth Walker from the portal every year, especially at a school well, that's like what a I was national, just pretty say. power like Michigan State. Yeah, like Alabama's going to get like whatever the fuck they want from the portal every year. If there's a well, good player in the portal, Alabama's going to get them. You know, that's what I was just going to kind of say was like with regards to Michigan State, like they kind of exploited uh, an inefficiency sort of in the market, like because the big boys were not playing in the portal really for the most part last year. And uh, it seems like it just at the very least, just watching the, 
the portal this year, the big boys are out and the big boys are ready to like, you know, take, take chances on recruit uh, on guys like, you know, the, the Kenneth walkers, of course, you know, um, and, and the questions of the sustainability of the portal are obviously there. I mean, the, the issue is like, you know, obviously it makes sense for a Michigan state who isn't, great at recruiting you know at, at this point to because the only way to get good short term you know and, and produce the wins required to get good recruits is through the portal um the question then though has to become like okay eventually you're gonna have to go out and get the four stars and the five stars potentially of the world uh fresh out of high school so that way you can build something sustainable you know build three years versus uh building just that one and and of course too like I think I think we do wash away like how good of a performance that Michigan State game was. Like that is a once. Oh, that like, was that was that was an insane performance. A once well, in a generation it, type type deal. Like you don't. That was, you know, that's a top ten team. The game was like it was like what forty nine nothing at halftime. Yep. The only thing close to it I can think of was um, Wisconsin. What twenty fourteen yeah, championship was, game. Either yeah, that or the uh, Nebraska game that was played at Ohio State. That I wasn't a. I don't care what the rank said. That was not a top ten team. That was yeah. Not. There was, was a was that, top ten that team. Was, that was the twenty sixteen game, right? That was twenty sixteen. Yeah. 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 Although, like to be fair, like, I think Michigan State brought in a pretty underrated recruiting class this year. Like they got a guy in. Uh, I'm probably gonna butcher his name. But I think it's Caton Hauser, the St. John Bosco quarterback. I know that guy mm-hmm. can ball. And then uh, they got. Although the UW uh, decommit the wide receiver, I think his name is Jeremy Bernard. I think that dude's gonna be a fucking baller. They got uh, Antonio Gates Jr. I believe going there. Uh, like they have actually, a pretty solid. Brother. He still has eligibility left. He's yeah, actually. Back. So this is breaking news that we'll break on this podcast, and if you ever hear it again, you have to credit us. Antonio Gates never played college football. Uh, he was actually a college basketball player. So yeah, he's coming um, back to Michigan State this year. And Tony, yeah. did you guys, did you also know that Tony Gonzalez played basketball? Tony Not Gonzalez. Did, but also, what, what's next? Did James Conner? Are you going to tell me James Conner had cancer? I yeah. don't know. I, I'll have to look into that. <laughs> Julius <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick played dual sports. Did yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick go to Harvard? Yeah. Did he? Is, I've never heard that. QB draw lore here. This is what you're. You know. This is the stuff that you tune in for, the difference makers. You know, we're uh, we're uh, really getting into the deep, deep, deep cuts of uh, of football. Um, yeah, I mean, all in all, though, like, like I, I think it was, you know, uh, it, it's weird to like look back on a year like that and like the way it ended. Like, obviously, it was on a huge positive, but you know, looking back on it, I didn't expect this team, this Ohio State team this year to be competing for a national championship. I always assumed that it would have been next year or, you know, the I, year I, after. I agree. I thought they would have gone. I thought they were going to win the Big Ten, go to the semi-national semifinal game and probably get lose by like a, like a touchdown or two. That was my personal yeah. expectation of the year, which, you know, losing to Michigan, not winning the Big Ten, you know, that fucking sucks. But like, the only like solace from that is that it was a young team, and I like now the people say like, "Oh, it's a rebuilding year. Needed to shut the fuck up." None of us yeah. going to that Michigan game were expecting to lose, especially the way we did. That was no. a, a disgusting performance. But like the team was really young. We're, I think we only lost what five starters. We yeah. lost Garrett, Olave, Munford, Ruckert, um, Haskell. Oh, and, and then uh, NPF. So six. I think that's six starters. Yeah. 
Now, so some some starters who started might not be starting, but that's probably not a bad thing. No, and like too, like I I, I don't know. It's like you know, obviously too. Like I've I've been as cr- critical of Ryan Day as just about anybody on the internet. Um, uh, I, 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 mean, I have a few people in mind I think are more critical than you are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably with a little bit more clout than me. Um, but regardless, like it does feel on some level that he seemed to have maybe learned half a lesson this time from from losing that Michigan game because going out and rehauling that staff was not something that I necessarily thought that he was capable of, and nor do I think he would have had the um, the you know the wherewithal to do if they don't lose, you know, if you don't lose that Michigan game and then you get your teeth kicked in or, you know, you lose a close game to Alabama or you, you lose, you know, a big game to, to Georgia, you probably don't go through and like rearrange the wheel too much, but because you lost the big 10, essentially you do have to force you. He was forced to look himself in the mirror and in a way that he hasn't had to do it thus far at, at Ohio state. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, can't really. I mean, he did do it his first year in here, but granted, like those weren't guys he hired, so like it probably was a lot easier to like just tell everyone besides Larry Johnson, twenty nineteen, to get the fuck out. Yeah. But like every person he hired on that he fired on the defensive staff, he hired. I'm pretty sure because he hired Al Washington, he hired Kerry Coombs, he hired Matt Barnes. Mm-hmm. If I'm remembering, yeah, so. I mean... What, well, I think Matt Barnes might have been on staff before he became head coach, but he promoted him in 2020 and then 2021. Just disgusting behavior, by the way. Um, yeah, I I always laugh at the – there was a quote before the Rose Bowl game about Matt Barnes being, like, addicted to film, like, watching film and, like, I don't know, man. I've always a, been, I don't believe that. I don't know about a that. head scratcher. I don't know what I mean, film I, he's I, watching. Maybe he's on film I, Twitter is what he's on. Matt, he's, uh, Matt, Barnes, Matt Barnes did a, did, did a very good patchwork job at D.C. Oh, yeah, and that's the thing. Is like I, you can't blame him for a lot of it. Like, obviously, you, you, like – Most of the players are carry comes. Like, I like yeah. the guy. I think he's a good yep. man, but he is – that was a horrible – He's not player. a defensive coordinator. He's just not a – he's not a defensive coordinator. I mean, no. He literally said scheme isn't like his own strength. I forget the exact quote. But he literally <laughs> said that. How can you <laughs> say that, man? I get a job interview. What else are you? Oh, yeah, man. You know, I'm 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 interviewing for the the job to work at Target, and I'm saying like, yeah, you know, like not sh- like showing up on time is uh, <laughs> is an issue for me. Like I'm I'm always going to be late. Like <laughs> that's the kind of shit that you just can't say for Kerry Coombs. Engineer um, interview, yeah. I'm not a big math guy, you know. It's yeah, not, not really my thing. Um, <laughs> do we want to talk some defense uh, before we uh, go on too long? Uh, yeah, just like what we expect the defense to look like next year. I mean, like uh, I've, I haven't done too much scouting on Noel's defense because I'm just not super familiar with him in the first place. But I mean, based off of what I saw, Oklahoma State the defense should be like just multiple. Oklahoma State ran a lot of shit in terms of their fronts. Like they ran some like three three five stack, you know, like their four two five base with, with their Leo, which um, I'm blanking on what they actually like their Leo actually does. I don't think it's similar to like what the Jack does with like the mint front. But like they move their, their Leo player all over the place. Like there's some plays where like he's like the stack Mike linebacker behind the nose on like passing downs to blitz. So like I expect the defense to be multiple and fun and flying around. 
Yeah. And then in terms of how good it is, like I don't know because I could see the defense being a top ten unit again, or I could see them really struggling to pick up the new scheme because I'm kind of concerned about the interior defensive line because who do we have there that's like a if Tyleek Williams is as good as I think he is, I think it'll be fine. Um, you know, between him and Mike Hall. Um, I, I will say Teron Vincent in the Rose Bowl. That he played was, very well. Yeah, that was a that was the five star player we've been waiting to see for the last four years. Yeah, that was that was who I thought he would be when he came here. So I, yeah. you know, I think if I don't, I don't know. Tyler Williams must have been in the doghouse because he was too good to be on the bench otherwise. But if he played two snaps against Michigan. Yeah, I I I have no I I don't, I don't have any clue what happened there because he was. He made splashes every time he got on the field, but between him, I'm high on Mike Hall, you know, just from his recruitment, and then Teron Vincent. Oh, I, I, I love, I love Mike Hall as a recruit. Yeah, and the guy's yeah, I mean, gonna be I, an animal I, at three tech when he actually plays. I think that's the thing too. Is like, I, I like you said, like it's tough to say, like without it, any with practice. Confidence. Yeah, yeah, like because there's just not, too many unknowns. Yes, like for me, like the defensive line is completely unknown right now because. The guys we have either are inexperienced or, to me, have been mid their entire career. Like, yeah, like I'm not Zach expecting, Harrison. Yeah, I was just about to say, I'm not expecting Zach Harrison. Like, I think Zach Harrison gets a little more shit than he deserves. I think he's a good run defender. And it, he doesn't put up sack numbers, but he does get a lot of quality pressures, which matter just as much. But, like, Zach Harrison's not going to go out. He's not going to go out there and be Chase Young or Nick Bosa. Like, he's not he's probably going to be Taquan Lewis. Like, um... Yeah. Like to Which me, is it's fine. just a matter. He's a good football player. Yeah, um, like, I, I, I'm honestly glad he's back, just because he's good. He's he's a start. He's a starting caliber defensive end who, at worst, could be good depth. Mm-hmm. I think too. Like the thing that I'm 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 most excited for is obviously there's going to be a learning curve here, but I think oh, yeah. I but can. The Notre see... Dame game one just kind of concerns me just because like it's a entirely brand new staff and a yep. brand new scheme. I don't yeah, like that Notre Dame staff, to be honest. I I, I, don't, I don't. I don't either. Yeah. Well, they're going to have a quarterback that's likely making his first ever college start, um, and be oh, playing. Oh, that was a one twenty twenty one guy, right? I'm blanking on his yeah. name. Buckner. Buckner. Yeah, Buckner. Tyler yeah. Buckner. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, but even then, like, I think the thing that I'm taking away from it is like not to get too discouraged too early just because of how like large scale like the overhaul is going to be on that defense but I do have faith that by like year two year three like when you've got Jack Sawyer and JTT like in there um you know, Ty Leak, uh Denzel yep. Burke so my thing is I, I expect the secondary actually be pretty pretty fucking good next year because yeah they were they were a solid pass defense despite only running like five coverages the entire year because that's all they installed apparently, which, you know, that, that's a story for another day. But, like, <laughs> Denzel Burke's good. Cam Brown's good. You know, um, Ronnie Hickman's great. Josh Proctor's coming back, which is huge. They picked up uh, Tanner McAllister in the portal, who is a very good ball player. Um, I, LeBron yeah. Ransom, you know, his leg kind of snapped in half. But I thought he was a solid player when he played in the slot, but, like, when he kind of covered deep, like, as a deep safety, I don't think that's a thing he's good at. So I think the secondary should be fine. You know, also like at corner, you have a bunch of young guys like Jordan Hancock and J.K. Johnson, who were very good recruits. They're athletic as hell. So, you know, you hope that like one of them can maybe make a jump this year. Mm-hmm. Which to me, the big question is that linebacker. Like, yes, I don't know what to make of linebacker. 
Yeah. Like Steel Chambers regressed as the year went on, but that's to be expected. He ne- he didn't play linebacker at all at Ohio State. He had to play this mm-hmm. senior year of high school. Then like Cody Simon, like I don't really know what to make of him because he played really hurt last year. And then um, I'm not going to talk about number three. Yeah, is he back? I, I, he, I think he is. I haven't seen anything about the, um, He needs to play the what was that? What was that walk on the Caden the Saun, the CJ Saunders role? He needs to play the CJ Saunders role next year. Um, I mean, I am excited to see um, uh, Kate Stober, right? That's the guy we some, yep. some godforsaken reason yeah. played a tight end for two <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which you know, Ohio State should have like a class action lawsuit from all of the players that like. <laughs> They were forced to play out of position for some godforsaken reason, like, and then all of a sudden, like, like you know, Kate Stover played like the fucking game of his life in the Rose Bowl on the defensive side of the ball, and it's like, well, yeah, ama- amazing what can happen if you, uh, you know, if you let a guy play the right position. And now we've got another transfer transfer coming in from um, Arizona. Arizona? State. Yeah, yeah, another I'll, converted I'll... running back. Yep. Yeah. Although. Although What's in fairness, like- we did recruit we did recruit him as a linebacker. Yeah, no, I, it's just it's just funny. I'm excited for yeah. that pickup. It's just funny. Uh, what's no, his name? Devontae Traymon. Devontae Tra- Tra- I think it's Traynum. Traynum. Okay. I, uh, I think it's T R A Y N A U M. Yeah, that that checks on on my end. Um, but yeah, they they should let uh, yeah C J Hicks keep him away from the running back room. Um, okay. Okay. My bad. It's it's Diamante Trainum. It's, it's, okay. It's 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 Diamante then T R A Y A N U M. Gotcha. Oh, this is so that I believe it'd be Trainum, but I could be completely butchering that. We'll find out week one. I'm sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. My thing is just like just like as long as the defenses are just like busting coverages and missing tackles everywhere, I'll be fine with what they do week one. Like yes. if they're like forcing Notre Dame to execute up up and down the field, like execute on third down, make them like if they're if Notre Dame's moving the ball, but like they're not just getting, you know, fifty yard run plays up the middle because someone didn't fill the right gap or because someone missed a tackle or because someone busted a coverage in the back end, like I'll be fine. Like my live tweets probably won't be that, but like after I review no. it, I'll probably be like, Okay, it's it's whatever. When they get better, when they get more comfortable in the scheme and they're like they're used to like trusting their eyes, which I don't think any single player in this team trusted their eyes last year because the godforsaken coaching they got. But I'm I'm a little worried, uh, having seen what I've seen on Twitter about uh, Sonny Styles never actually showing up at Ohio State and just playing in the NBA. That's probably my biggest worry <laughs> with him at the moment. Um, that man, he's not he's not early enrolling. Yeah, he's playing basketball. He, he that man could dunk. A bowling ball, I'm fairly confident of it, and not like a tiny bowling ball either, like a like a comically large bowling ball. Like he is, yeah. you know, if, if if he was Sisyphus, it would just be him. Like he'd be up the hill in like a minute. Like he, just that, you know, you're not supposed to be like at 17 or 18 years old, whatever. However, I, mean, I think he, he is, I think he's, I think he might, I think he might be 16. Are you? Because he's, he's, he's a junior in high school, so he he really, he really could be 16, about to turn 17. That's nuts, but yeah, yeah, you, you're you're not supposed to be that like well rounded at that age. Like you're supposed to, you know, yeah, uh, like like guys like his size shouldn't be like as coordinated as he is. You should like should not be like are, allowed to be that coordinated. Yeah. Like it, like yeah. there should be some laws because usually when like guys are like that big, that young, they're just kind of clunky just because they're still used to like adjusting to their body. 
uh-huh. whereas he, he moves like he's like a six foot like like a five foot eleven like one hundred eighty pound kid. It, it, yep. it doesn't make sense. Well, that's the thing. It's like on the basketball court. Like I anticipated him to be like the classic. Like in in my high school, we had a couple kids that went on to play D one football, um, but played basketball in the winter. And like you experience, yeah, like there's yeah, you're just dropping the shoulder at the be- at the top of the key and going. But yeah, just post, just posting him up. Yep. But yeah, no, uh, the dude's, it, dude's it, like fucking like LeBron hawking down chase downs, catching lobs above the rim. Yeah. Like truly, like, if he played any position, like for he, I guess he's playing safety, you know, cover safety. Um, I don't know what Knowles called his slot, but I could see him playing slot. I could see him playing linebacker. I could see him playing fucking defensive rush end. We should just like, truly think he, him too, and like yeah. just let him play offense. You know, like oh, if things aren't going well, like offensively for Trevion Henderson, eh, fuck just, it, put Sony. Eh, fuck it, put Sony, Sony in. Sony can figure it out. Like we'll just uh, run some direct sweeps to him and let him uh, let him do his fuck thing. And, just yeah. let CJ Stroud be like, fuck it, Sony down there somewhere. <laughs> Sony down there somewhere. Like especially if he can jump like he can. Like, is there a, a single cornerback in the country that can can out jump? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's if like he's what, inverse... six foot four, six foot three, like probably yeah. not. It's no. like the inverse of when the uh, when the Falcons would put Julio at like safety in like hail mary situations. Yeah, yeah. Like, six four, massive vert, just like yeah, check it down there. He'll be there. He'll um, he'll figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited for him. I'm excited for CJ Hicks as well. Like to see like whatever like what they can do. And like I've said it before, but like the talent and the like the perspective talent in that room changes completely overnight once those guys get in. Like, yeah, I agree. It's just an entirely like, different crop. Because like I know that Sony is well, he was a safety, but he got changed to athlete by other uh, recruiting services. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays like a JOK role. On I think the he's defense a where, like, Yeah, I think he's a linebacker too. I feel like he, he might be able to play that JOK role where like he's kind of like your weak side linebacker who, like, also can play, like, your nickel or, like, your apex to the field. Yep. That, that, that's that's what JOK played at, played at Notre Dame. He was the uh, apex nickel to the field, and he would only sub into the box if, like, there was a motion and his guy, like, ran across the field. I mean, I'm just, it I'm just so excited to, like, get after quarterbacks again, like, theoretically, mm. or, like, drawing up schemes and, like, blitzes that, like, are designed to, like, oh, we're just going to murder somebody on this play. And, like, okay. Like, again, yeah, like – Silver bullet should be back under Knowles. That's, that's I, my expectation. I said it to Ezra before, but, like, there was something so cowardly about that defense last year. Like, again, yeah. like, if you get scored on and, like – two plays like it is what it is like and if those two plays were like oh we were just kind of like bats out of hell that's fine like I would rather miss big than like just catch people for like three to four yard gains and just never be able to get off the field like at least with like blitzing like crazy and and, and getting hyper aggressive like you have to instill some fear and some respect in the offense's mind and like especially with quarterbacks and college quarterbacks especially like um you know, these are you're, you're daring kids to make throws. Like, I would like to do that. I would like to dare, a, a, dare a, you know, a young quarterback to make a throw that he's probably not capable of making. Like, um, with, with the defense breathing down his neck and everything, like, I'd rather do that than sit back in our base, like, 4 4, or base, like, 4 2 5, or whatever the hell we ended up running. Like, 
I would much rather be the aggressor on defense and just setting the tone for the game. Yeah. So that yeah, Michigan, that um, Michigan game performance is just awful. Pathetic. Like, yeah, I, I, like I talk about recruiting, half? but like, yeah. there really isn't anything to really talk about right now. Right. Oh, the um, 2022 class period is basically done, save for Kristen Miller, Kristen but Miller. he's probably going to Georgia. And then just making sure Omari Abor signs. That's basically it. And 2023, like, visits really aren't really happening right now. It's kind of wait for the, the spring for that. Abor, One guy to keep an eye out for is Malik Hartford, the uh, West Lakota West uh, DB that just got offered yesterday. I would not be surprised if he commits soon. Yeah. Um, Abor supposedly not taking any more visits, which is kind of surprising yeah, given his – whole um that was always very funny uh at like uncommitting but i'm still taking visits to other places just a very funny i do uh, wonder if like ohio state and like particularly like uh knowles like had something to do with that like no the hell you're not taking other visits like yeah you're either coming or you're not and uh you know in some some cases that's some good good to have some tough love there um but yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of other other folks. Oh, Will Smith uh, committed right today or yeah, yesterday? Today, I think it was yesterday. Yep. But that's good to see from the 23 class. I mean, not a huge surprise, but uh, yeah, he was a lot basically as soon as he got offered. Yep. Which is always good because it's good to sure up your your like you know that lower end of a class or that middle range of a class like getting those guys in and getting them committed early is so huge because um, it just all but prevents the, the chance of like, you know, them flipping at the end and stuff like that. I'm still like scarred about uh, Terrence Brooks. Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that commitment stung just because the DB class with him was, was solid, but without him, it's, it's kind of rough. And that's even me being probably the number one uh, Kai Stokes fan on the internet. I think that guy should be a top 100 crew, but that's a story for another day. Well, like, that, and that's the tough part is, like, the timing of that whole thing, him yeah, going you, to You Texas, didn't have time to react to it because you couldn't yep. try and flip anyone else because pretty much everyone else had already signed. Yeah. I mean, like, you stopped recruiting everyone because you know you had three guys you liked. Mm-hmm. I was going to bring up Jarek Bernard, and I guess I am, but it seems like he's going to LSU, the uh, transfer from Oklahoma State, the cornerback. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I mean, would have yeah. loved to have I mean, him, I but again. Like, I don't think our corner room is, like, a concern. Yeah, I, I think it's more the – I think maybe in a couple years it might be, but um, I think for, for next year it's fine given uh, Hancock and Johnson um, in the pipeline and Cam Brown back. I think Hancock and Johnson in particular, like, I think it's sort of important that they're at where they're at at this point because the likelihood of losing one early to the draft is, is very low. So you're, you're very likely to have, like, two very experienced corners if, if they can stay healthy and they are end up being good enough to, to see the field. Um, so that helps a little bit, but yeah, like you said, like where you've got and you've got Kai Stokes, and there's another cornerback from Florida that's uh, in Ryan the Turner. He's a corner, mm-hmm. and then you also have Jair Brown. Yep. So you've got three there, and like maybe if you we can convert like one of them into being like the guy, like that would be huge. Um, but 
yeah, that's something I look forward to is getting back on the recruiting trail for the the cornerbacks. And like, again, like you, you do have to have a certain level of on-field results to expect commits. Um, and I don't think last year, Ohio State, especially from a defensive perspective, really had those results, uh, especially from in, in the defensive backfield. So that's something that, you know, you just keep an eye on for this year. And that's something that, again, like if, if you're able to put together like a, you know, a, a top 15, top 20 defense, like then you can really start to have expectations for folks to be coming again and, and start to be a real pressure in that 23, 24 class. Yeah, yeah. totally uh, agree with that. Last thing I'll add before I probably got to head out. Um, it's more like, like what the fuck on three. Apparently they, they had Xavier Wonka ranked as the 126th best player. What? They are, I don't know what's going on over there. Now the vibes uh, are all off at, at on three. Uh, we do appreciate them giving Devin Brown the, uh, <laughs> the number one. They're probably worse than rivals, but I don't think they can be as bad as ESPN. Yeah, because ESPN, I, I'm convinced ESPN doesn't have any actual scouts on staff. They just sort of like rank players based on hype. Which is so um, crazy because the, they were the first, like, I remember, you know, and I'm older than you guys. But I remember, like, yeah, going into bugger. high school, like, <laughs> being able – like, they, they were the only site that did it for a while. Like, yeah. you know, it was just well, the, ESPN top Their site kind of got – a lot of their guys kind of got poached, and they stopped really, like, focusing on it. Yeah. They just have but, it because they want to be, like, involved in every aspect of every sport. ESPN in a yeah. nutshell is just, like, you know – uh, farming out like they'll have they probably have like one or two guys that man the site and like you know i don't i don't think they're doing any crazy scouting or anything like that they're probably just copying and pasting from you know the the aggregate of no, all i, I of think they're just players. i just think they're throwing number others uh, throwing darts at, at random players and then just picking them before they land here join our top 150 um yeah i i don't know like yeah, I hope recruiting for 23 especially picks up pretty soon because we're getting... It'll probably take a month or two because we'll probably, like, most visit, most spring visits kind of start in, like, April, May. Yeah, and then we get to spring ball, too, and, like, get to see some... Uh, some. That's what I'm excited to see is the defense in spring ball. Um, yeah. And see everybody come back after the winter training program and uh, see where Hopefully we move around at the edges. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that was uh, it. Was a great episode. Great having you on, Zach. We really appreciate uh, you. Um, do you want to give? Do you have anything that you would like to plug? Uh, not really. Nah. All right. Cool. Well, uh, that that'll do that for th- this episode of of the QB Draw. Look to see us. Um, we're looking to have Zach on again eventually, um, and we will be, I'd be back. happy to oh. be back on. Hopefully, Hopefully some more they, recruiting news to talk about. Yeah, when there's more recruiting, we'd love to have him on to talk draft as well. Um, when there's more news, we'll, we'll, we'll come back on, and uh, we'd love to have you. And uh, as always, thanks thanks for uh, for giving us a listen, and go Bucks. Yep, yes, go Bucks. Go Bucks.